0: Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session. Hello everyone and welcome back to today's episode. A lot of us dental students, particularly those that are about to graduate, haven't really got much experience with rotary endodontics. With us here to bust myths on Rotary Endo is Associate Professor Ha of the University of Sydney, a specialist endodontist and co-founder of the extremely helpful EndoPrep app. If you're looking for clarification on what a hybrid system actually means and also to understand rookie errors in Rotary, then this is the episode just for you.
1: So within Australia, most universities use a variable taper system like ProTaper Next or some sort of constant taper system. So aside from M2, there's VDW Rotate, which is actually the updated version of M2, really, which is also unavailable in Australia now, maybe temporarily. PyFlex CM, Twisted File, or Zenflex. So amongst all the universities, it's normally one or two of those rotary systems that are available. And literally, as a student you are at the mercy of what the university or the hospital gives you or lends you in regards to pro taper I uh, will make the point that there are four uh, systems of pro taper out there so universal gold next and ultimate so as a habit students shouldn't say uh, I use pro taper or if they go to an interview and say, oh, I'm familiar with ProTaper. Because the interviewer, well, then it's like the practice owner will say, okay, which pro taper? And if you don't know the answer to that, you look quite silly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, well, you don't know it well if you don't even know which one you use. Most universities will offer one or two, um, something variable and something constant normally. Sometimes it's only one that's just up to the university. I I, I can't you know, dictate what other universities do. Um, but it, yeah, that's, that's what most, most of them do.
0: Yeah, so you describe that some are variable taper and some are constant taper. What What is the difference?
1: Okay, so if you think of a K file, that is 2% taper. So every millimeter, it goes up in diameter by 0.02 millimeters. So it barely goes up. So when you look at the K file, it almost looks um, parallel. Uh, now, if you look at your constant taper files, whether that be M2, VDW Rotate, Zenflex, and all these other ones, they have often 4 and 6% taper. So every millimeter, it goes up 0.04, which is 4% um, in diameter, um, or 0.6 millimeters per millimeter. And 6 millimeters, um, 6 point zero six millimeters per millimeter, or 6%, is obviously three times wider in rate in taper than a K-file. So the, th- the higher the taper the higher the overall thickness of the file, which then means it prepares more and it's also more rigid. If it's more rigid, it also means it's well less flexible. So if you're dealing with a curved canal, particularly very curved canal, a six percent taper becomes less appropriate, it's more likely to ledge or break, as opposed to say a four percent, which is more flexible. More likely that like it bends better. But the other point would be when you're preparing, if you're irrigating, it's actually harder to get irrigant down because the canal overall shape is also more narrow. So there's little pros and cons. Most students will be preparing teeth to a six percent taper because, uh, simply put, the the it'll make your obturation easier as a student if if the overall canal is bigger. And we can also hope that the students are getting irrigant further down if the overall shape is bigger. Um, So, so most students will be preparing teeth to a 6% taper if they are being taught a constant taper system.
0: However, as you mentioned, the 4%, like for your more curved canals, you would look at going to a 4%. Yeah. So,
1: the students may not be doing this now, but when they graduate, they'll probably start preparing posterior teeth with curved roots to more of a 4% shape rather than a 6% shape. But that's just a bit of a generalization because the other thing then comes into play is the type of alloy uh, that you use in the rotary.
0: So I'll get on to that what kinds of alloys are there in rotary because I guess we know that there's heated nitie but it seems like there's multiple variations of that alloy is that correct?
1: Yeah so some of it's marketing. Um, some of it, right. <laughs> but some of it. And Is there actually gold
0: <laughs> in Wave One Gold? Okay,
1: so Is there's that... no gold in Wave One Gold. It oh, just so happens to look gold. So if there's any dental students out there who are saving every single Wave One Gold file and hope, hopefully uh, hope, hoping to take it to the jeweler, yes. they'll be bitterly disappointed that there's zero percent gold in Wave One Gold.
2: As dentists and dental students, we all have difficult days. You may experience workplace or training demands that have a direct impact on your physical, emotional and psychological health and well-being. This is exactly what Dental Practitioner Support is for. It's a completely confidential and independently run service that's funded by the Dental Board of Australia in an effort to support practitioners and dental students right across the country.
1: The term heat treatment is unfortunately quite vague, because you can heat treat something a little and a lot, and and, and whether you do it uh, slow, you do it fast, use electricity, like there's, if you use heat before you make the shape, or you heat after you make the shape. It's a very generalized term, and what I often tell students is, from a technicality point of view, maybe heat treatment isn't the most correct term because uh, you'll have files which are heat treated which are quite rigid, and then you'll have files which are heat treated which are very flexible. It's often used uh, to refer to flexible files as heat treated files, but then you also have files which are quite rigid. Um, So simple examples would be uh, Protaper Next is heat treated, but it's not very flexible. The the rule of thumb that I tell students is if the file literally has a color to it, yet yeah, it's not silver, it probably has had heat treatment and is flexible. And the simple test is literally just pick it up and push it. And if the file holds whichever direction you push it, then the term that I use is pre-curvable. So, right. um, yeah. so you push it and it be- becomes curved, it's pre-curvable. And as opposed to... Some files where you push it and it bends straight back, it's M2. If you push it, it'll bend straight back. Um, so that the technical term is it's like super elastic, and a, like a rubber band, will bounce back. Um, so it's something like M2. It's super elastic. Uh, it's non-pre-curvable or, or pre-bendable. And it just happens not to be heat-treated. But then you look at something like Protaper Next, it has been heat-treated. Uh, But it's not flexible. And then you look at something like protaper gold or VDW rotate, uh, protaper gold being gold and VDW rotate being like blue in appearance. Uh, That's something that you can pre-bend or pre-curve. It also has been heat treated. But the point would be clinically, if it's got a color to it, it's probably better for a curve. So that's probably a simple way to remember it, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so just to clarify, so I guess there is difference between flexibility uh, and elasticity, is that correct? Or are we... Okay,
1: so with elasticity, yeah. the, the problem with the term elasticity is we think of something, many of us will automatically think of something that is more soft and rubbery. Yes. But uh, elasticity, from a mechanical point of view, means it will bounce back to its original shape. So from that point of view, for, for Naitai, it's actually the more rigid or... Stiff files that aren't very flexible. So, elasticity is not flexible, despite the name making you think of a rubber band. Is that- <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so elasticity means it bounces back. So, in other words, it does not want to change. If you have a file M2, as the example, yes, it will bend a little bit if you pr- uh, try to bend it, but it'll try to resist you. So, in a curve canal, it will try to resist the curve, and the risk is. If not used properly, it will create a ledge because it's trying to straighten up the whole time. Now, it's not necessarily a bad system. It's just that if you use a more flexible file, um, it will try to conform to the curvature a bit more and is less likely to create a ledge and also less less likely to break in a curve.
0: Right. So if it's less likely to break in a curve uh, and it follows a canal a bit, Bitten more nicely. Why would you choose an elastic file over a flexible file?
1: Yeah, so I would use an elastic file if I'm dealing with a very straight, uh, straight canal. Yeah, it could be could be palatal or usually anteriors and premolars. I think it's probably fine. And also certain types of retreatments, I would use a, a like elastic. Uh, type of file or silver looking file, basically. Now I think th- there's a, there's always exceptions, but the if if I had a choice as a just have one of your you know, colleagues become practice owners one day and if you and you only had a choice uh, of only buying one system being the flexible files versus the more rigid elastic files, I would say buy and if you have the intent to do posterior like curve canals, I would say go for the colored flexible files because flexible files will work in, in straight canals. They might be slower, maybe, if, if they're so flexible they don't cut as fast, they're not as stiff, but they will get down to length as eventually, even if they're slower, as opposed to if you use an elastic, rigid, non-flexible or silver-looking file, they might seem fast in anteriors and premolars, but once you start dealing with more curved canals, uh, they're, they're more likely to ledge and break. And if anything's going to not save you time, it's when you have a ledge or a fractured file.
0: Just for clarification, is this kind of what endodontists mean when they talk about hybrid rotary systems? Like, would you alternate between the different types of flexibility and elasticity or...
1: Yeah, you know, so... talk more about taper... Yeah, so hybrid systems, so sort of you're mixing and matching different systems for a case. Uh, So a simple example would be, let's say it does, let's say you've got a case that's curved and calcified. Um, So some would maybe use arguably the best of both worlds, where for the coronal uh, coronal portion of the canal, they might use something that's not heat treated or less flexible, something more rigid, and do a crown-down technique maybe, uh, use orifice openers, something that's stiffer to try to get down the coronal portion. And then once they start reaching some sort of curvature, then they might start moving over to something that is more flexible, right? which tends to yeah. be like the colored files. Going back to the original comment about uh, taper, like 4%, 6%, and as you go higher yeah. up in taper, that, that also increases the rigidity. If knowing that... You can use a glide path file that is lower in taper, but isn't colored, isn't as flexible. But because the file itself is lower in diameter, it's flexible anyway. So uh, I suppose an example of a literal system that is a hybrid system is ProTaper Ultimate, where if you look at the files, you can see it goes from something that looks very silver to. Um, some gold ones and some blue ones. So that so within that system, it's trying to be the best of both worlds, where it already has something from a bit of each side of things. If that makes sense,
0: yeah, that does make sense. And I th- I also uh, now that we are back to taper, I thought I would also clarify. You were saying that for students, you know, uh, ideally, if the canal isn't curved and is more straight, uh, a 0.6, uh taper would be more ideal because you can get more irrigant in the canal. Is there a reason why we want to look at 0.6 and not 0.5 and not 0.7? Oh,
1: yeah. So it's a 0.06, just to clarify. 0.06, <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry. sorry. Um, Excuse me. So yeah. it's almost arbitrary, honestly. So the, the most of the companies have gone for 6%. Um, so that's what it is. Some companies do make 5% tapers. So M2, w Rotate, flex. they might have some literally some random files with 5%. But it's not common. And internationally, most people have just gone for that. Like, so an example is if you were to look up uh, profile, which is one of the uh, one of the original rotary file systems, uh, and its modern version, I guess, is Vortex Blue. Uh, it has like, one line represents four um, percent tape, and, and double double black lines represents. Six uh, percent taper, and that was on the handle. And I think just because of that, everyone just followed their lead. I, I could be completely wrong. This is <laughs> this is all long before I uh, did dentistry, but um, it was. Not, I think it was a standard back in the day. Everything was just two percent, four percent, six percent taper. But there are some companies that literally do make three percent, five percent. Yeah, and and I think some companies even make seven percent. But it's just it's just not the common thing. And by just by making everyone, yeah, everyone just making four four and six percent. Um files just makes it a little bit easier because then you can get like four percent or six percent uh, gutta percha purchase from different companies yeah, it's like what why do we use two percent k like k files like why aren't they like two point five or three percent yeah there's not much um rationale except for ev- that's what everyone else was doing, everyone else was making the same. everyone was familiar with it, so let's do the same
0: yeah, yeah, unreal. I think you've done such a great job at it, like kind of um tap against the world of rotary. I was Wondering what are some common rookie errors when you know a dental student or a new graduate first uses rotary, and how can we try and avoid them?
1: Uh, so I've written on written down five. There are some other ones I thought up, but then they became maybe less common. So the first one is I don't know where I don't know how, but a lot of students seem to be taught to have the handpiece spinning the file as they. Move the file towards the tooth. Is that what you're taught? Yeah, that's what I'm. Taught. Do not do that. Yep. Just. Pl- oh. <laughs> How
0: can you aim?
1: Are you going to also
0: tell me that I shouldn't use cotton pellets? Uh, oh, right. that's, that wasn't
1: part of the topic, but like that—that's that is below. Like, <laughs> well, the cotton pellet thing—that's just substandard dentistry. Anyone who's still teaching that, like, I, I don't, they should hand in their license or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but a lot of tutors still teach that, unfortunately, and. Uh, there's a fr- uh, quote from Charlton Heston in regards to his rifle and if they ever had to take rifles away from uh, guns from back from the US uh, people. And he said "No, not and they'd have to pry it from his cold, dead hands. So some people hold cotton pellets just so close to their heart and they won't even consider alternatives. Anyway, so with the, uh, the file spinning, the reason why you don't want to do that, I don't know why people teach this, is that particularly in posterior teeth, it is so hard for you to aim. And now that you have a spinning file, and if if you even if you use a heat treated file, it's really gonna be spinning. It's going to be waving all over the place. Now, how are you supposed to get that into the orifice? Like uh, you know what I mean?
0: It, I, yeah, I guess you just kind of
1: point it in, like you
0: yeah, I don't
1: know. Well yeah, so it's a and, simple example. Let's yeah. say you want to put a key in a keyhole. You don't twist your hand until the key's in the hole. Like it doesn't matter. No. <laughs> it's just so dumb, right? No. <laughs> if no. you're twisting as you put, if your if your hand is doing all jerky shaking motions as you're trying to put a
0: key in the keyhole, it'll never get in. <laughs> I I guess I guess the question, I would like I, I would presume from that is that does the, you know, the file risk binding if you try and put it in before it starts spinning. Is that any issue?
1: Uh, there's, there's literally no risk of that. And actually, one of the papers in the, um, there's a series of update papers in the International Endodontic Journal on techniques on how to deal with curved and calcified canals. And one technique, kid you not, is put the file, not spinning, absolutely to length and then activate, but then pull out. Yeah. Uh, pull out while it's still spinning. Yeah, pull out while it's still yeah, spinning. Yeah. Because yeah. arguably, yeah. if there's any binding, you're already pulling out. So it's not going to cause any issues. So given that one of the the recommendations for curved and calcified canals is insert the file and then activate. Yeah. like, like it, To me, it makes absolutely no sense to have it spinning as you insert it. Particularly for, for if, if you're a student or even a dentist who just is struggling to see where the orifice is, particularly when you've got orifice close to each other, if you can't see where you're aiming very well. And it's also spinning. And if you're using heat treated, and you've pre bent it, it's going to be bending away from you at the same like over and over again. So the, the whole one of the benefits of pre curved files, particularly for like upper molars is you bend it into a hook like you would a K, K file and you insert it in, um, in some sort of like curved curved motion rather than trying to have the patient open super wide and insert it in straight in a straight line. But if you have that file literally rotating 360 degrees, you cannot aim the file into the hole. So, again, I don't know who's teaching this, and I'm trying to find them, in, at least within my own university, because they, they, they probably need to be taken to the little hallway to be told to stop it. Like Because every student who comes in, they're like, this is what I do, and they know like, no, don't, don't do that. It doesn't make sense. And I of as I know, they, they know I don't want people doing that technique. It makes no sense to me, but it just seems to somehow get through I don't uh, know yeah but again yeah, like yeah. The key, I, I've only made up the keyhole thing now and I think that makes so much sense you you, you does, wouldn't yeah, be spinning your hand when you put a key in a keyhole you don't it do that does. with a rotary file um, yeah yeah like it it, it it does I would argue would do more harm than good
2: do you want to add orthodontics to your general practice so many patients today are looking for aesthetic outcomes and, and changes, things that we can do with things like aligners and fixed braces that can put the teeth where they need to be so we can be more minimal in what we do to those teeth. I know it's something I wanted to learn and personally, I've gone down the path with OrthoEd doing the mini masters. I'm also getting treatment myself. I'm in aligners right now if you're ready to go all in with orthodontics, you can go and do the mini-masters with Orthoed ed and Dr. Jeff Hall, and at the end, you can get a postgraduate diploma. But if you're starting off with smaller steps, they even have some online education, including aligners and aligner courses that are standalone. In the COVID environment we're currently in, these courses have remained live and we can then go and do them in person later on. I really appreciate the way they've managed that and I'm still getting tons of value. OrthoEd gives you an understanding from the foundational level. You understand aligners as well as fixed braces, the mechanics and all the things in between. If you're about to start your orthodontic journey, check out dentalheadstart.com slash orthoed to get 10% off their entire range. You might even run into me at one of the courses.
1: Uh, Okay, the second one is, it sounds silly and repetitive, not enough arrogant. So... A lot of students they're after, and, and dentists, when they do cavity preps, they want the tooth to be dry so they can see. Now, that, makes, that seems to make sense. They irrigate, they're, they're told to irrigate, they irrigate. But then what, the next thing they do is they suction the tooth out before they put the file in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That does, They're not supposed to do that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. the irrigant yeah. is literally supposed to flood. And when I mean flood, I mean there should be irrigant up to the enamel. Yeah, because if, if, yeah. if you you'll notice a difference between if you have irrigant up to the enamel. If you're when you're moving your file up and down, inserting the file into the orifice, you'll literally see the file within the chamber, or the debris will come off. If if you don't do that, you'll put the file down, take it out, and all the debris will literally be bound on the file, which means your file is almost about to break because it's jamming. So if you if you have the irrigant all the way to the enamel, as you put the file up and down, it li- literally loosens off the file, and you have a clean file
0: as you're trying to work work your way down. Yeah. No, you're making too much. I guess, <laughs> I, I guess. I guess. I'll will t- tell you what. As a as a dental student, I'd done my endo exams, and when I moved on to the next year, and somebody hands me my first ever monojet of. Uh, hypochlorite to put it in a tooth, it still just feels, just felt, it feels wrong. You know, it just feels, you know, even though you know the science behind it, it just something about putting hypochlorite, I guess. Do you have any tips on how to overcome that fear? Like while we're on that topic or irrigating with hypochlorite. Yeah. Um, cause I know, I know so many of my, um, you know, peers in student dentistry, we, we don't want to touch this stuff. <laughs> uh,
1: literally, if you're not willing to use hypochloride, you shouldn't be doing endodontics um, yeah. because yeah. It literally, it's the only thing that we have that reliably kills bacteria um, yeah. Yeah. and so I, I think, so when, I'm, when I when to describe irrigating, like, li- having the tooth flooded, the idea is, you're doing very gentle droplets to fill the canal with hypochloride and then you le- it's more important to leave it in there, to give it time to work, rather than doing a quick flood of irrigant and then suctioning it all out because if it's not there it's not going to do anything and if you have irrigant up to the enamel like that's the irrigant that's reaching the enamel won't suddenly extrude because it's just passively sitting there it's the irrigant that you're actively forcing down so even if you're like if you're super afraid of um uh of using hypochloride the the first is obviously um you need to sit more lectures on how to use hypochloride and feel like know how it works that's i do have a uh, a lecture that i'll hopefully put on somewhere on um, YouTube or something one day um, on how to use irrigant safely. But the second point is, yeah, we're leaving the irrigant up to the whole chamber full of hypochloride, it means every time you introduce a file, the irrigant will naturally be brought down to the apex. So you're leaving no space for air. The, the, the like Air is inherently not antibacterial, mostly not antibacterial. So you don't want to be just continually suctioning and leaving air in the canal during a procedure, you just want it to be always full of irrigant, just slowly killing away. You, you Literally, your rotary file will help move down the irrigant. If, if you've just only washed the walls with hypochloride and then dried it, um, literally everything would just keep on jamming on your files, clogging up, um, and then once it starts to clog, uh, bacteria can hide under the clogs, and also, yeah, your file will jam and break. And it's unfortunate. If you look on the internet, there's a lot of people, there's only not everybody fills up the canal completely. It's. I think for video purposes, some people will prefer to have, unfortunately, the canal semi-dry, so that way when they record it and play what they're doing to everyone else, it's easier to see. Otherwise, if you have a recording and it looks like someone just, I don't know, sticking a file into a bucket of water, like you don't know where it's going and I can't see much, I don't know where the orifices are, so because of that, it's actually teaching people some bad habits. Tanger- tangent over,
0: I suppose. <laughs> Um, and so, what was number three?
1: Oh, okay, okay. Uh, okay, going up in file size too soon. Again, it sounds really dumb and basic, but a common glide path file is a fifteen oh four. So, fifteen taper, four, on, fifteen tip, four percent taper. And if you're using the fifteen oh four for the first time, you'll put it to length, um, or any other file, you put it to length. You take, and once it gets to length, a lot of people get excited. Yeah, it's got to length, and then they move one size up, straight away. Okay. So the issue is for many files, almost all files really, aside from being flexible, they have a level of compressibility. When that file goes to length that very first instance, so let's say it's a 1504, it probably is only preparing the canal in the very first instance to a 1204 because it's aside from being flexible, it's slightly compressible. So that means the canal is probably a 12. And if you're trying to jump from a 15 to a 20 is reasonable, but a 12 to a 20 is actually far more difficult. So when the 1504 goes to length the first time, you should actually probably insert it, I would argue, 10 times. So that means that when you put the twenty o four down, it'll actually get down properly. Um, A simple way to test that your file has actually prepared to length properly is to actually get it out and use it like a hand file. If you put the the file in and it's actually struggling to get to length, then you really shouldn't be going up in size. So that's uh, that's one thing, testing it as a hand file. The second thing is actually to actually plug your Apex locator onto the rotary file and use it like a hand file. Because often students, when they have the reference point with their K files, they're looking at the tooth from one particular angle. But when they put their nitai file into a handpiece and insert that down the canal, they actually use a different positioning of their head because the handpiece is just inherently different to using your fingers. So what you thought was your reference point, you may not actually be clearly seeing the distance between the rubber stopper and the cusp tip or something. And that little parallax error can be the difference of one or two millimeters sometimes. So a simple way to check is the file on the Apex locator, if if the file is going to the apex locator length, then you've actually prepared it to length. Um that's a common another common error because students will find, oh my why doesn't my GP go to length? And then you it's like they fiddled with their GP to start going to length and then actually never prepared to length to begin with.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I have never heard about the idea of compressibility before. And I want to kind of walk through it a bit because I imagine that like you're saying, you know, a 15 to a 20 seems reason like is a reasonable jump but if your 15 has only been, has been compressed to a 12, jumping to a 20, I assume the 20 would also be compressed. So if you would prepared it to a, yeah. If you prepared it properly to a 15, the 20 would still compressed, but then it would kind of meet more than you could. Yeah, okay.
1: When, when you insert a file multiple times, um, it does, this is getting a little bit more technical. It does actually, as it heats up, it becomes more rigid and then it tends to cut the shape that it was designed to cut, if that makes sense. Like Another way to think of it is if you look at a file, you can sort of imagine it has a bit of a S, like repeating S shape, if that makes sense. Like if you, or if you think of back in your high school mathematics, uh, I can't remember whether it's sine or cos or tan, but two of those, not the third one, whichever ones they are. One of them obviously does not look like the others, um, but basically a continuous like, serpentine S shape. So when that file goes in, it'll it'll be squished a little bit. Now it won't be much, like it's still preparing the canal, but it's going to be compressed into more of a straight line a little bit. And because of that, it won't create the exact taper or the exact... So even though I say 12, that's a bit of a generalization it, it might actually it's more maybe it's a it's preparing to a 3.5 a 0.035 taper or something i don't know but it might not be preparing to what it's marketed as because it's being squished a little bit um and if, in case anyone's overhearing this and they're like an adonis and think i'm a crackpot there are p- papers on this i'm happy to find and prove it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah yeah but uh yeah the, the original shape the marketed shape on the first go or the shape on the first go first insertion usually is not exactly what was marketed so it might take a few goes to get um, uh, what's what you're aiming for and hence if you're going to move up to the next file size sometimes people will jump up too soon and inherently feel they have to go they have to go back down again and if, well if you inserted that first file at least a few times then it's, it's easier to move up now unfortunately someones probably going to say well like eventually someone's gonna have a broken file when you insert a file too many times and they're going to look back at this this uh, this podcast and sort of curse me but at the same time if that file which is narrower and it broke that means if they moved up in file size it probably still would have broke <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so I'm yeah. just yeah. just mentioning that like to me it's, it's a sensible clinical tip and I don't think I have many file breakages because arguably if that file went down the first time if you're going down the second time or the third time if the canal is truly prepared to that shape and that File is not really cutting. The odds of it breaking should be incredibly low, and it should be far lower than if you move up in size.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think uh, that's great. That <laughs> can't that. yeah, 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 yeah. All right, number four. Yeah, so it's ensuring that
1: you uh, the files are reaching the reference point properly. So that's that's checking with the apex locator by hand. That that's uh, that's a common issue that students have. So. Because I find a lot of students, when they put the GP point in, it's short, and then we're trying to figure out working backwards why, and one is they move up in file sizes not um, too soon, so each file is going a little bit shorter than the last. And the second one is, yeah, they don't look properly to see that the rubber is actually hitting their reference point. They're looking at it from a different perspective, um, with a handpiece blocking the view. So hence, checking with the Apex Locator. So hence, moving on to the fifth Uh, the fifth main error. The fifth main error I find students have is that they try to perform the same technique for all canals. So when you're in dental school, you're taught one, at least one technique, uh, and it's assumed that you just do that for all canals. Unfortunately, if the the tooth is calcified, curved, or both, or has other things like a difficult uh, access, whether it be... um, the tooth's rotated or the patient can't open their mouth much. Each one of those things should change how you approach the tooth. So if you do literally the same thing, but in a case that has some new variable, then you're going to have a problem. Now every every time there's a new thing, you're actually should be looking into modifying your technique to compensate for whatever the challenge is. So for many, whether that be using an orifice opener, a crown down approach, which is sort of like extended technique for orifice openers, I guess in some ways. Uh, glide path night high. Uh, So the fifteen oh four, which I described, instead of hand filing to a fifteen or twenty, you, know, you could use a fifteen oh four rotary. Um, so-called heat treated files, or what I take, um, flexible files, or coloured files. Uh, they're more suitable sometimes, and sometimes you have to think about changing the taper. So there's a few variables. That you should consider, and like I'm sure as a student you've come across the AAE case difficulty form. Its original purpose is to scare dentists into referring, or encourage dentists to refer. But the other way you can look at it is it helps you identify red flags. And every time you see a red flag, you're supposed to be able to think of something that'll overcome like, that 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 criteria. So. And if you can't think of something, you probably should then refer. And yeah, if you do literally the same technique you're taught in dental school of well, whether it be M2 or ProTaper, whatever, if you use that exact same t- technique for every single case, um, you're going to be caught out. Um, and the more difficult a case, the, the more optional steps you should consider. And, and I should mention, uh, the, the something I, I tell a lot of people, a management plan to overcome these difficulties should never be, I'm going to do it slow, I'm going to be more careful. That's not a management plan. Um, that's that's just doing, that's stuffing up but doing it slowly.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Does that, that hitting, yeah, make h- sense? H- hitting, a little, hitting a little too close to home, I think yeah. all five of these <laughs> I'll, I'll certainly, certainly would have made, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My last question would be around contraindications of rotary. And I think as we've kind of gone on in this episode, you've kind of opened my eyes as to, how different cases can require different types of rotary and different types of files and tapers. Uh, are there cases, I suppose, I feel like if it was to, is there any contraindications for rotary? Uh, and I suppose that'll probably be beyond the scope of the general dentist.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, well, I would say there's no absolute contraindications to using rotary because yeah. um, if it's safe to put a file down, it's probably safe to put a rotary down. Um, But hence, I guess the contraindication would be, I would say in most cases, if you could not get a file down, you probably shouldn't use a rotary. Now, that's not an absolute. There are exceptions. But for the most part, if you couldn't get a file down the canal, you probably shouldn't be picking up a rotary. And there's other things which isn't actually a contraindication to using rotary, but it's just if your rotary file even looks slightly distorted, if you don't know how to recognize that your file is about to break, you should look into it because if you notice that your file is literally literally warped, you should probably replace it as soon as you can. Um, and another one is in multi rooted teeth. There's no problem in getting another rotary file, um, re- replacing one of the rotary files you've already used because even if uh, one, a pack of five files or whatever is standard for, for a case... If you're dealing with a four canal or something molar with curves and calcifications, inherently, it's like treating four, four little teeth. Yeah,
0: four little teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah so
1: yeah. it's not a contraindication to using greater. It's a contraindication of using that same system, same set for the, all, all of it because then you'll break something. The last one, I think, is uh, do not use a system on a patient where you've never had, whether it be formal or informal training with that system. So, as a student, yeah, you're, you're being trained on M2. You'll graduate, and there's a fair chance whichever practice you'll go to will say, We have Protaper Next. And then, if you've never used Protaper Next and you try to replicate their protocol that you were taught, you're taught, you'll be confused, basically. So, you, it, it makes sense just to try it on plastic blocks or extracted teeth away from a patient rather than in front of a patient, um,
0: sort of asking the dental assistant, Is this the right setting? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. that is such great advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that's, I guess I wouldn't have even thought of that. Yeah. Like after using M2, I would just go into a practice assuming it'd be the same. You'd use it the same way, but yeah. Um, yeah. You'll, you'll,
1: you'll get caught out. Uh, and is that
0: is, is that consent as well? It's like, if you haven't ever properly been trained on that system, I suppose, if you're, yeah, I certainly wouldn't want to be a patient. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. So with rotary systems, there are, I guess there are the, the main way rotary systems work is what's known as single length technique. So literally every single file in that technique in that technique uh, in that system goes to the working length completely to working length. Um, and you may have been taught a crown down sequence, so certain files go to certain positions away from the working length, um, and that's actually a really good technique to learn. Crown down. It's just that if you're using a system that doesn't show a sequence like that, then you might be putting files to random positions, and then yeah, it's like literally not how the system's supposed to work. If if you're if you're trying to put a big file down to the working length all of a sudden um, because you thought you're doing it right, but you're not, then you're more likely to break a file and. There are what's known as Orifice, um, this is over-complicating things now, but like, there's, there's other things like Orifice openers, glide path files, and they, they need to be done in a certain sequence. It's If you don't know the sequence, then you could literally be using like files out of step unintentionally. And then, yeah, you don't want to frack a file over a very simple thing that you didn't know. Uh, and the other one is more so, aside from the system or the sequence, is, is the feel. So, some rotary files, when they're used, actually feel like they're pulling you in all of a sudden. And if you're not prepared for that, then yeah, you'll over-prepare. You'll possibly have the file blast beyond the apex, which you obviously don't want, or break a file beyond the apex. Um, and if you're not prepared for the feel and your hand's not ready to pull back, then yeah, you, you'll get caught out. Yeah, so that's not a contraindication but it should be it's a contraindication to using rotary on your patient if the system that's available is something you've never used before if that's the case just hand file today and then
0: get the patient back after you've figured out what 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 you're supposed to do yeah yeah associate professor Hart, thank you so much for being a voice of clarification (laughs) all good all good yeah i can't believe i learned so much in that amount of time (laughs) so thank
1: you Um, Well, having said that, if there's anything that's formally taught that's literally opposite to what I've just said, when you're a dental student, you're at at the mercy of your educators and you don't want to say that I heard on a podcast someone from another university said this. Um, You don't want to be pulled to the hallway and yelled at.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.